How many of you know the Lord's getting ready to come back for his church? Amen. Heaven feels closer than ever. Amen. And so we're looking forward to a great week. I'm glad that you're here. I turn your attention to Revelation chapter 22 and verse 14. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 14. I want to read just one verse in your hearing. It simply says, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right, that they may have right, that's a legal term, they have right, they have legal capacity, authority to the tree of life. And, here's the bonus, may enter in through the gates into the city. That's an amazing thing because if you follow the Word of God, you have a legal right to live this life that comes from the overflow, the tree. The Bible describes it in different ways, a well of living water. It's this internal power of God's presence that flows into His people. And then, when it's all said and done, we get to enter in, through the gates, into the city. Great thing about God is it just keeps getting better and better. Sweeter and sweeter. Well, preacher said, gooder and gooder. I'll speak morning on this subject, when the saints go marching in. When the saints go marching in. You may be seated and thank you for standing. Christianity is based on the proclamation of salvation. We do not walk this life of faith without a desire and an expectation of being saved. We know and we believe that to be saved, we must do what the Bible declares and what we know as the plan of salvation. As the New Testament church was beginning on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, there was a noise. You say, how do we know if we're in a New Testament church? There ought to be a noise. I, I have learned how to preach to a camera with no amens. So I'm good, but you'll enjoy it a whole lot more if you say amen once in a while. <laughs> it was noised abroad. And then Peter got up and preached the same way we have church today. They worship, speaking in tongues. Peter preaches conviction. They say, what must we do to be saved? Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Peter gets up and says, three things. You must repent of your sins be baptized in the name of Jesus, and be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit. This is the same. Spirit, ghost is an old English word for spirit. But that presence, that, that spirit of God that baptizes us, that infiltrates every aspect of our life. Repentance, baptism, and Holy Ghost infilling. That's the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Repentance is the death of the old will. The burial is baptism. Romans 6, 4 says we are buried with him by baptism into death. We shall rise to walk in newness of life because we have 
that same name, hallelujah, and the authority and the power that goes with that name. And then the Spirit is the resurrection Spirit. It's the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. It's going to raise us also. Paul said in Romans 8, 11, if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, the Old Testament, it would just pass by. But you and I, hallelujah, are in the 21st century where the Holy Ghost abides in you. Oh, hallelujah. What a prim people we are that the Holy Ghost abides in us. So we know these three steps as being the plan of salvation. But it, it seems that I have heard all of my life, and, and, uh, and perhaps you have as well, that we're not truly saved until we hear the click of the pearly gates behind us. As we're walking on the streets of gold. Has anybody ever heard that? In other words, truly being saved is making it to heaven. You can say I'm saved, and I know we use that as a figure of speech, but to truly be saved, you don't want to rest and stop until you're on them streets of gold. Amen? I've got to be saved. I believe the Lord saved me and I'm in the process of being saved. But ultimately, I want to be saved. I want to hear Him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And I, and I think it's safe to say that we all want to make it to heaven. So I believe that being saved by going through the gate that Revelation describes also has three stages, such as the plan of salvation. I want to talk to you today about those three stages. The one is enter. Enter. I want you to think for just a moment about entering. Now, over the last several weeks, we have become more aware of how to properly enter. We even have a procedure here about entering correctly. Enter the first foyer, we exit through the second foyer. I was uh, visiting Sister Monica Chambers uh, yesterday and the uh, ICU at Holmes Regional uh, Hospital. And so my son Gregory was with me and we went uh, to the uh, hospital in Melbourne. And before we got to the front door, there was a lady out front and she had the, uh, the temperature deal and she uh, shot Gregory and I in the forehead with the temperature gauge and we cleared and we walked inside and immediately there were people around us. And, um, and they said, what, where are y'all going? I said, well, we're going to visit a lady that's in the ICU, surgical room, room, fourth floor, blah, blah, blah. And they said, well, you, only one can go, not two. And so Gregory was already ready to go through the metal detector. And they said, if he goes, you can't go. And I said, well, pull him out. He don't need to go. He's just with me. <laughs> and so they pulled him out, and they said, he can sit in the foyer. So... We thought he'd be able to sit in the foyer, but after I left and went upstairs, they told him, you can't even sit in the foyer. He had to go sit outside. You sit outside, only one at a time. So he went and sat outside and waited, and I went up there, and I was trying to explain this process that I went, went through to my wife uh, later on after we had left, and I mistakenly told her that I had to go through the lie detector test. 
But I think it was a Freudian slip because it really was like a lie detector test. I meant to say metal detector, but it was like a lie detector because we said, and she said, okay, and she started asking me all these questions. Have you ever gone to, have you ever, in the last 90 days, have you been to New York? No. Have you been to New Jersey? No. Have you been to Maryland? No. Have you been out of the country? No. <laughs> Not in the last 90 days. <laughs> have you been out of the house? No, they didn't ask that question. And uh, so she said, where's your mask? And I said, I don't have one, but I heard that you've got here, you've got them here to give to me. And uh, she said, yes, you've got to have a mask. And then she got me a mask. But I don't understand why she did this. She pulled off one of her gloves and grabbed my mask and pinched the nose piece for me with her bare hand. And I'm putting on the mask and I'm like, if she's got it now, I've got it. And then she put her mask back on and her gloves back on. But somebody she took all that off to hand me my mask and to pinch the nose piece. But I know this is a difficult time for everybody. So I was thanking her for all the work. And she would take all this out, take all that out, take all. So I took everything out. Where are you going? And then I explained that she got me my badge and a sticker. And then finally I got through, got through all of that, went down there and uh, hit the elevator button with my elbow and got in the elevator, went up fourth floor, put all the code in, went in there and wash, wash, wash. Then I finally got in to the uh, hospital room and there was Sister Monica Chambers, we gotta keep praying for her, was in a terrible car accident and she's still intubated with a, a ventilator. Sweet, sweet lady, has been a member of this church for a long time and it was in a real bad car accident down here off of uh, Babcock and Valkyrie Road. And so she's there and I went up and I just started to talk and immediately I hear, voices behind me sir 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 and i turned around and there's three uh nurses there and i was like yes ma'am yes ma'am yes ma'am and she's like step away from the patient step away from the patient so i backed away from the patient and i got out in the hallway and they said you can't go in there uh unless you have on this robe and uh so i said okay and i got on the robe and and you got to have on these gloves, you got to tie the robe. And so I went through all of that and they said, here's where you discard it when you leave. And if you leave the room, even if you come out in the hallway and you go back in, then you got to take all the robe and the gloves off and get brand new robe, brand new. I said, okay. And, I, and, I, and I'm thankful these people are putting their life on the line. I'm so thankful for all of our health care providers and, and the work that they're doing. It's tremendous. Thank them for all of it. And, and, and I got up there, I got to talk to Sister chambers and she like put her hand up and I held her hand and we prayed together and the Holy Ghost came into there oh I'm telling you I'm thankful for all these procedures but there's nothing like the presence of God ladies and gentlemen I'm telling you it's the cure for everything and and we've become more aware of the proper way to enter and I'm thankful for our staff and everyone that's working so hard but I'm gonna tell you what folks it's important that we also know how to enter spiritually and not just physically. And this is what the Lord's put on my heart this week is all the things that you're doing physically are all great, but you better learn something. It's important that you also know how to enter into my presence. Because you can do all of these safety procedures, but if you come up in my house with your bad attitude and you come up in my house with an unthankful spirit and come up in my house because you're mad somebody got your parking spot, come up in my house because you're mad you got to get ready now and go back to church and it was easier to sip coffee in your pajamas and watch church and you come up in the presence of God with the wrong attitude, then guess what? All them safety precautions don't You cleanse yourself spiritually before you enter the presence of God.
So now let me let me give you some let me give you some verses for this so you understand that we're not just preaching out of public opinion but from the word of God. When you go into the house of God, David said it this way, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. He was saying the entering in had to be done in preparation for the presence of God. And when you study it in the Old Testament, there was a restriction to entering into the tabernacle. Exodus chapter 40 and verse 35 talks about how Moses could not enter into the tent of the congregation because the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Now I want you to think about this for just a moment. There, the glory of God filled the tabernacle. We're sorry, Moses, we know you're the leader and we know you're the man of God, but you can't enter right now. Why? Because the glory of God filled the place. I don't know about you, but I want the glory of God to fill this place. I want the glory of God to fill my car and to fill my house and to fill. Come on, somebody. We got to have the presence of God fill us. us. There was a restriction. You couldn't, if you were injured or even if you were unclean, you could not enter into the tabernacle. And the restricted access was to remind the people of the importance and the significance of coming into the presence of God. It was not to dissuade them from entering. It was to prepare them for entering with their hearts and their minds prepared for the amazing opportunity. I'm talking about an amazing opportunity to be in the presence of a holy God. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, can I tell you that I'm so thankful that God has given us access to the throne room of grace and we can come boldly into the presence of God. Hallelujah. You can come with a confidence to say, I'm coming into the house of God. I have prayed. I have prepared my heart. I've prepared my spirit. I've prepared my mind. We're getting ready to come into the presence of God. And what a blessed people we are. The Holy of Holies had even a greater restriction. Only the priest could enter. And he was not to enter with, now think about this for just a moment. He was not to enter into the presence of God with his garment rent, which means ripped or torn. You couldn't have like a tear in your garment. And the reason was because in their custom in that day, they would rent or tear their garments when they were in mourning or they were sorrowful. And the Lord said, even if you got a tear in your garment because he got hung up on some briars or something when you was out there chasing that lost sheep, guess what? You're not going to come up in my house with a garment that's ripped. Because I want you to understand that when you come into the Holy of Holies, you are coming with the attention to be on God, not on you. You come up in the Holy of Holies, it is about coming into the presence of God and glorifying Him. It was to be worship. The worship, the one true living God. To worship Jehovah God. And the focus has to be on God. It wasn't what was necessarily comfortable for man, but rather it was what was attractive to God. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, when you enter into the presence of God, you got to get the right frame of mind. you got to say, I'm coming into the house of the Lord, and I'm coming into His house because I'm going to worship Him. I'm going to put everything else aside, and I'm going to say, this is the day that the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad. Come on. 
I'm coming into the house of God to worship Him. To bless the holy name of God. It's not about me. It's all about Him. But if I'm not careful and if you're not careful, we don't enter right. Our thoughts are skewed. Our emotions are dominating. We are distracted. We're discouraged. We got our garments are ripped and torn emotionally, spiritually. And we come and we say, here I am, Lord. But you've got to prepare yourself before you come. There's a reason why the people that were singing and musicians that were playing up here, they pray and fast and we have a routine where we go through that we make sure we're not up here where the flesh can get any glory because we're not here about us. We're here. And so you've you, you got to get your flesh in subjection. So before we ever get here, before we ever have church, the first service is at 8 o'clock, but it don't start at 8 o'clock for us. Because you've got to prepare. You've got to enter right. As part of this renovation, my wife and I were going through my office and cleaning everything out. An office that has accumulated for 20 years. Stuff from, you know, 100 countries and all kinds of papers and everything that I can't throw away. I have a hard time throwing anything away. Especially if it's papers or books or something, I think I'm going to need it, and so I hang on to everything. But it's, my, it's like not having anything. Because if you hang on to everything, you can't find anything. So you might as well not have anything. So we were trying to go through all of that, and she was helping me. Thank the Lord for a good wife. She was helping me, and, and I was just like, oh, I hate this. It's excruciating for me because I have to make a decision. I want that. I don't want it. I need it. I may have it. I'm going to reference it later. I don't know. I'm sure. I may be kind of. That's that pile. Then this pile is... Well, this is something from your Bible school days, and it has memory, and you know, okay, but I don't think I'm going to need it the next two or three years. And that's that pile. And then this pile, oh, we're going through all of this stuff. And we didn't even see our kids all week long. Going through all of this stuff and trying to get the church ready for all of you wonderful people. Not my office, per se, but the rest of the church was... So we're going through all of this, and I'm looking through all this stuff, and I'm going through all of this stuff, and I'm, I'm trying to make more room, and I'm trying not to throw away the wrong thing, and going through all this. Thursday night, we were down here late to like 10.30, and Brother Harry came by, and he's like, are you guys pulling an all-nighter? And I'm like, I don't know. It feels like it. And so I know I was weary, and I know I probably was not in the right frame of mind. But I'm going through all these old papers and notes from Bible school and things people said, you know, 36 years ago and evangelizing and all the memorabilia and then I forgot even forgot that I wrote a youth seminar when I was a youth evangelist called Youth Insight went through all the I still got all the paperwork from that I got all the original manuscripts from Benny DeMerchant when he was uh, typing up what became known as the book Full Throttle and and what he typed on an old typewriter as his 15-year-old son was battling bone cancer and then it stopped and finally one day years later he just piled onto my the little stand next to my bed all these yellow pages from an old royal typewriter and say if you can't sleep tonight David you may want to read this and I read through all of that and couldn't sleep all night and read that and the next morning and said we're going to turn this into a book and it became the best selling book for the Pentecostal publishing house but all of that those original papers are back I'm like we can't throw this away what pile of this going all these piles 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 everywhere and then going through all that, and then camps and rivals and dramas. And when we first started doing dramas and Gospel Court and Scrooge and, and the old church campus and all of that, and then all the home Bible studies and the small groups and all the filming that we did for eight years of small groups and three stewardship campaigns and five building programs and, and two different 
degrees in theology and all the papers that are associated with that, all the articles and writing two books and thousands and thousands of sermons. And I was just reminiscing, going through all of this paperwork. And I said out loud, it's amazing all that you do to try and help people serve God. You spend a lifetime trying to help people get to heaven. And that's something that I'm sure people that have been in ministry for 30, 40, 50 years have said before. That wasn't anything new. But it was the next thing that came out of my mouth that scared me and surprised me. And I know I wasn't in the right frame of mind. I was thinking more about exiting than I was about entering. How do we get home? How do we put a bow on this thing and finalize it? And it just kept growing and growing. So I'm going through all this stuff and I'm reminiscing. I'm sure I'm not in the right frame of mind. But the next thing that came out of my mouth was this. Sometimes I wonder if it's worth it. Sometimes I wonder if it's really worth it. And as those words sort of bounced around in my head and my ears, I immediately felt the loving embrace of God. What a good God we serve. He's not a God that rebukes you. He's a God that loves you. And there was this loving touch. And, and the, the words that came to the forefront of my thought process was simply this. Only one life, so soon it will pass. Only what's done for Christ will last. I got to thinking, Lord, you've been so good. It's not a burden to tell people about you. It is a privilege. What a great privilege I've had to spend my life telling people this is the tree of life. This is the great way that you can live. And when it's all said and done, you got heaven waiting for you. This is no time to feel sorry for yourself, David Ellis Myers. This is a time for you to say, I will bless the Lord at all times for his goodness endureth forever. I want to preach to this great church today. This is not the time to feel sorry for yourself. This is the time to say God is great. He's a mighty God. And he has blessed us abundantly. I got to hurry. What is revealed throughout the word of God is that you have to enter right if you want to enter heaven. You have to enter each of these steps. You have to have this map, this Word of God for navigating this life so you have the reward of the life to come. So if we want to enter heaven, we've got to learn how to enter on earth. You've got to prepare your thoughts. You've got to prepare your heart. You've got to prepare your spirit. And part of entering right is not entering the wrong place. This can happen emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. You've got to not enter the wrong place so that you can enter the right place. There's a lot of question marks over people's heads right now, so let me explain it. Matthew 26, 41. Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The flesh keeps wanting to wander off the ranch and enter the wrong place and get feelings and attitudes and fears that are not of God. They get so concerned that you just can't function anymore. 
And that's entering the wrong place. You can't enter the presence of God if you're coming up in the presence of God with torn garments. You can't enter the presence of God if you're entering all the emotions of man's fears and worries and concerns and distresses and depression and heartache and weariness. You've got to put all that in a bucket and turn it over to God and say, Here I am to worship. Here I am to glorify you. I just want to be with you. Mark 3, 27. So the question is, how do we do that? Mark 3, 27. No man can enter, here's the word enter again, into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he will first bind the strong man. So before you can enter right, you've got to bind the strong man. And then he will spoil his house. So the same thing that it takes to enter heaven is the same thing that it takes to enter salvation. you got to repent. When we repent, we are binding the strong man. You say, what's the strong man? The strong man is your will. you got a will from day one. A baby comes out and goes, ah, no. <laughs> it's there right away. And we love when babies are born and we're like, oh, it's so beautiful, it's such a great little baby. That little baby has come on this earth to replace you. You think I'm kidding? Think about the first words they learned. Mama, Dada, bye-bye. <laughs> That's not original with me. I heard a comedian say all that. But it made me laugh. They, they come and they're beautiful and they're here to replace us, Brother Richie. That's why you got to be nice to kids. They're going to still be around while you're trying to figure out what old folks' home to live in. <laughs> and from day one, they got that will. They got that strong man. No. No. And that will does not lessen over the years, it gets stronger. That old, that, that strong man works out with weights every day. And at some point, you're like, I need help. You come to the altar and you say, God, not my will, but thy will be done. Oh, you're trying to bind the strong man. Because why? I want to spoil the goods. Oh, hallelujah. I want the tree of life. But I can't have legal access to it until I repent. And I say, not my will, but thy will be done. And so i got to say, Lord, I need you. i tried to do it on my own. But I'm here to bind a strong man and say, God, I need your help. Forgive me, oh, Lord. And you got to keep doing that. you got to keep doing that. Paul said, I die daily. you got to keep binding the strong man of the house. And when you do, you're now setting up access so that you can enter a spiritual house. A place that you can go in your flesh with all of its flaws and mistakes. Through the mercy and the grace of Calvary, it allows us in our flesh enter into the presence of a holy God. The only way we do that is to put the flesh in subjection. And then God starts to work. Now watch this. John chapter 10 and verse 9. He says, this is the words of the Lord. I am the door 
There it is. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. He says this, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. Can I just say this? I felt this earlier, and I'm going to say it again. Christianity is not just one of many ways to get to heaven. There's only one way. The Bible said every knee has to bow and every tongue confess. What do we confess? That Jesus is Lord. There's not a whole bunch of different ways to get to heaven. It's all got to come through Jesus. He's the door. You've got to enter through him. I love my brothers and sisters from all different faiths and denominations and whatever all over the world. But ladies and gentlemen, you've got to confess Jesus. You've got to say, I need Jesus. You're the door. If I'm going to enter into heaven, I cannot enter unless I enter through Jesus. So when you refuse to enter the wrong place, you can enter then the right place. And then you're ready to come marching in. That's enter. So we got to enter right. The next thing we got to do is we got to gather. Gather. When we come together, there is something spiritual that happens. And this has been hard. These last few weeks have been hard on Christianity because we are designed to gather. It is in our DNA to gather. And they don't tell the Canadian geese flying down from Canada, you can't fly in a flock no more. Them Canadian geese be like, rock, 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 rock. You can't put a loudspeaker down in the oceans and say, you are not allowed to swim together in schools anymore. It's in their DNA. Ladies and gentlemen, it's in our DNA as Christians. We were just designed to gather. I'm going to tell you, well, here's where we get it. We get it from the Bible. And there's a lot of scriptures on this, but let me just give you a couple of principles. Matthew 18, 20. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there's that name again. Why is the name important? Because that's the legal access. You have a right to the tree of life. How do you get the right? You've got to have the name. How are you going to cash a check? It's got to have a signature. You've got to have the name. How do we know that contract is binding? It's got to be signed. It's the authority. It's in the name. That's why the New Testament church baptized in the name of Jesus. That's why they prayed for sick in the name of Jesus. That's why they cast out devils in the name of Jesus. Where two or three are gathered. We come together, we come together in the name. There I am in the midst of them. Many times in the Gospels, the gathering of the people is what triggered the ministry of Jesus. Let me give you a few examples. Mark chapter 2 and verse 2. And straightway many were gathered together. Insomuch there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. You notice that? They gathered at the door. They entering and gathering. And then the Lord began to preach. People say, oh, I got to have a word from God. Well, you're going to have to gather. Well, it's getting quiet now. Luke chapter 8 and verse 4. And when much people were gathered together. And were come to him out of every city. He spake by a parable. Then he starts to teach. That's because they were gathered together. I'm thankful for all this online ministry. I'm going to tell you what. I have been amazed. Thousands of people. We get calls, letters. Uh, there was an email that came for a couple days ago from a church in New York. And I don't know the pastor. never met him. Didn't recognize his name, the congregation. But he wrote the nicest email. And he said, we have been shut down up here for 10 weeks. 
and there's no end in sight. He said, we're a small church. We can't do all that online programming and broadcast and all that stuff. But he said, here's what we did do. He said, we found out about East Wind when y'all first started doing nightly broadcasts. And he said, we have tuned our whole church into your nightly broadcasts for the last eight weeks. And he said, it has kept our church together. And he said, afterwards, we have a Zoom conference call, and we discuss what's happening. We're praying for each other on the video conference call. And he said, it is the ministry out of your church. That's what has kept us together. Oh, I'm thankful. Who knows? There's no way to even measure all that God has done. Thousands of people that we have reached through the online. But you know what, ladies and gentlemen? It will never replace the gathering of God's people in the house of God. I'm thankful for it. We're going to increase our audience. We're going to keep working to take the gospel to the whole world. But ladies and gentlemen, there's nothing like entering into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise and gathering with God's people. Because when we gather together in the presence of God, we come with one purpose and one mind. That's why it's gathering together when the saints come marching in. We don't come dragging in. We don't come in depressed, discouraged. We come marching in. When the saints come marching in. I was a kid, I used to hear that. I used to think it was like a band drill like we did in junior high school. And I played that big old bass drum and have to march in them Christmas parades and all that. And we would have practice and marching was no... God had to give me a revelation about what marching is as we come into the presence of God and we got purpose. We come and march it in. We're not coming dragging it. We're coming in saying, I'm here to glorify God. I'm here to bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. I'm coming together with God's people because the Lord's going to do a special work. Hallelujah. He's going to keep me. Watch this. Mark chapter 1 and verse 33. And all the city was gathered together at the door. All the city gathered together at the door, and he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases and cast out many devils. The miracles was because of the gathering of God's people. Eight times in the book of Acts, it talks about the church being gathered together. The Bible says this, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. We gather in heaven. We got to gather on earth. Ladies and gentlemen, you will not be saved without a church. You've got to have a church. And I know there's extenuating circumstances where sometimes people can't get to church. I understand. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fact that we've got to put a premium on what happens when God's people get together. We are not just some social club. This is not just some other restaurant. This is not just some gathering place that's some business. No, my friend, this is a spiritual encounter with God. This is the opportunity for humanity and deity to come together. And I'm thankful for the people that are getting the Holy Ghost online. I'm thankful for all the millions of people that are tuning in over the last 10 weeks. But don't ever think that sitting in your house watching a service is going to replace the gathering of God's people in God's house. You've got to gather! I was talking to the Lord a lot this week Maybe this is another reason why I got discouraged I was talking to the Lord a lot this week About taking my good friend Evangelist Eli Hernandez And, 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 and he died You know I told you about that last week And he was an evangelist and He was preaching a crusade in Chicago And got this virus and died And I've, I've been with him We've done crusades He's preached here I love him He's an awesome man 
And so this whole week, I'm like, Lord, why'd you take Eli Hernandez? He was preaching the gospel. You know, why'd you take my friend Steve Willoughby? He's a friend of mine that pastored over in Singapore that died a number of years ago, not related to the virus. But both of these guys seemed like they were brought down in their prime, and they were preachers of the gospel. So I'm just talking to the Lord. Lord, why did you take this good man? Why'd you take... And I don't know why. And, and, and the Lord just spoke to me and said, you don't need to worry about Eli. He's with me. You need to worry about your congregation that I put you in charge of. I'm like, Lord, they're doing good. They're watching online. <laughs> and boy, all of a sudden, all this stuff just started flooding in my heart and in my mind. And I, I started trying to process it all. And the Lord just began to speak to me and say, you need to get a big picture. You've got to get a picture of eternity. You think of your life in the natural between when you're born and when you die, and you think that's the bookends. Uh, but you've got to understand, that's just a minuscule. I see everything on a much bigger scale. There's an eternity. And what good does it do if you're able to keep your body safe, but you don't save your soul? Lord, I don't want to get sick. I don't want to get the virus, but I don't want to be lost either. And the Lord said, if you're going to be saved, you're going to have to gather. You're going to have to come into my presence. You've got to come into my house. And I said, Lord, I hear you. I'm going to preach it. They may vote in another pastor, but I'm going to preach it anyhow. I heard a story about a man that was lost at sea for 30 years. They finally discovered him on a deserted island. He had three huts that he had built, and the rescuers came down there and was gathering him together, and the helicopters were whirling and they're getting ready to rescue him. And... Uh, he said, I'm going to give you a tour of my three huts that I built. And they're like, we got to go, sir. And he goes, this right here is my house. They said, it's beautiful. And he showed them the second hut. And he said, this right here is my church. And they're like, that's great. Let's go. And as they were running, one of the rescuers said, what's the third hut? He said, that's the church I used to attend. <laughs> I'll just let it sink in for a moment. I had to tell a joke so you'd all still love me. At least he had a, ch a church. He had two of them. I'd rather have two than none. I got friends that said, we've been to eight churches today. How'd y'all go to eight churches? We tuned in this one at 9 o'clock. We tuned in that one at 10 o'clock. We tuned in that one at 11 o'clock. <laughs> I'm telling you what. People say, well, we ain't been in the house of God, but we had a whole lot of church lately. It's been in our home. It's been day and night. Oh, I'm so thankful for all of it. Don't misinterpret me. But ladies and gentlemen, there's nothing like coming together. <laughs> I said, there's nothing like coming together. I've been with both the merchant down the Amazon. We've been up down that river of villages, and we've gone to places where people never even seen a white man, and we'd pull our little plane up there on the shore, and all them little kids and people would come down out of a village of about 40, 50 people, and the missionary would say, you see that hut right there? It'd be built up on sticks and have a thatch roof. I said, yeah. He said, that's their church. I said, they got a church? They don't even have a hospital. He said, no, but they got a church. All they got is a hut to live in, something to cook and eat, and they got a church all up and down the Amazon, thousands of them build up on sticks because all over the world people have learned you've got to gather I've come to preach to this church it's not optional you've got to get to the house of God if you're going to be saved I'll tell you from my own personal experience I'm so thankful that I've had encouragement of people around me all through the years and I'm thankful for a God that keeps working on me because I got the Holy Ghost when I was seven years old but I'm not going to be saved till I get to them pearly gates 
And I know we're facing a virus, but there's a greater enemy than this virus. The greater enemy. All of you that are in the building, you can close your ears. This right now is just addressed to people sitting at home watching this. East Wind family. There's a greater enemy. And the greater enemy is getting out of the habit of going to church. And I speak from personal experience. Back in the 90s when I got offered to study in Oxford, England in a comparative law program and I went over there. I looked around Oxford. I couldn't find an apostolic church. We were in a very condensed academic environment. We're studying, studying in the weekends. We're studying and so forth. I went about eight weeks and did not go to church. Then at the end of the graduation, my parents and some friends came over and, and that was awesome to see them and I'm so thankful for people in the church that would send me bulletins and you never know just sending somebody a card or a note that you haven't seen in a while what a valuable thing that is Amen. sister Carol Sias who I love dearly she would send me bulletins and care packages and she would send me newspaper articles about what was happening in Palm Bay and all that shit I'm like what do I care about Palm Bay I'm in Oxford <laughs> that strong man was working out with weights boy I'm in Oxford studying under Supreme Court justices. And I'd open up that little package and I'd read about what was happening at the church and the bulletin. Finally, four lane, 192, through Holopah. Make me miss everybody. And only for a few minutes. And all the students would come around and we're back into our environment, you know. And I can't say that I can point to any one thing that was a sin. I didn't sleep around, party, drink. I didn't do anything you could say, Brother David backslid. You wouldn't be able to point to anything. I mean, I, not that I knew of, maybe pride. But not like anything you could point to as a sin. But I got out of the habit of going to church. So after we got back home and it was time to go back to church, well, I was excited to see everybody. And then I got up on that Sunday morning, I got ready to go right to church and I laid in bed, I was like, well, maybe I'll just go back next week, just to be safe. Well, I laid in bed and sort of tossed and turned with that. And I had these different thoughts going through my head. Finally, the Lord was sort of prodding me. He kept saying, boy, you better get up. And I kept delaying and procrastinating, making excuses. And finally, this thought came to my head and it scared me. I don't really want to go to church. And I'm the co-pastor. Brother Richie, you're the new pastor. <laughs> and I was like, I don't want to go. And as soon as that thought came into my head, it scared me. And I jumped up. And I ran and got in the shower. And I started singing, I was glad when they said unto me, oh, I was glad when they said unto me, oh, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Better is one day in your court, better is one day in your house, better is one day in your court than thousands. Oh, when the saints go marching in, oh, when the saints go marching in, oh, Lord, I want to be in that number. I had church in the shower because I had to bind a strong man and get the right attitude. 
Oh, I'm preaching to somebody. You better buy this strong man and say it's time to gather with God's people in this place. Because we got to be saved. We've got to be saved. And there's nobody that's exempt because you're dealing with human nature just like I am. We have got to be saved. One day, there's a day of reckoning for all of us. I want to be saved and I want you to be saved. Be saved, we're going to have to enter and we're going to have to gather. And when we gather, we got to gather with the purpose to glorify. We've got to gather with the purpose to glorify. When we come together, it's part of God's plan. Jesus. I think we need to stand to our feet right now. I think we need to lift our hands up toward heaven. There's a word right from heaven. Jesus. Yes, Lord. Speak to your people, Lord. Speak to your people, Lord. Mm. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We've gathered to glorify you. We've gathered to lift you up. Hallelujah. The Bible says in the book of Revelation, chapter 4 and verse 10, the four and twenty elders fall down before him 
that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying thou art worthy O Lord to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure not our pleasure for thy pleasure they are and were created that's why when you receive the Holy Spirit you receive him when you're worshiping God that's why the saints go marching in because we're coming in here with a purpose to glorify God ladies and gentlemen the devil's not gonna shut the church down we're gonna gather until Jesus comes and when he comes we're going up together 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 for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of an archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together together to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever everybody say ever be with the Lord wherefore comfort one another with these words oh I've come with a word to comfort you come on we're gonna enter we're gonna gather and we're gonna glorify God because you serve a God hallelujah that's gonna come back and gather his children together as we heard directly from the throne of God from the four corners of the earth we're gonna be gathered together if that's what's going to happen in heaven, it's out of me. What's going to happen here on earth? I want you to step out where you stand. I want you to come down this altar right now. Woo. This right now is rapture practice. If you don't want to go to heaven, don't come down. Only people coming to the altar are the ones who want to go to heaven. If you don't want to go to heaven, don't feel obligated to come. But if you want to, if you want to go to heaven... This is rapture practice. Come on now, this is final dress rehearsal. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. They're about ready to go. Just hang on. They're like horses in the gate getting ready to run the Kentucky Derby. Woo! We're going to fix them to run, but just hang on a second. If we're going to get there, we got to bind the strong man. So the first thing we're going to do is repent. Say, Lord, give me the right attitude. Because before you can praise him, you've got to get an attitude of praise. I don't know what you may be facing, but the first thing we're going to do is repent. I want you to lift your hands and your voice and say, Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, forgive me for every wrong attitude, a wrong spirit. If I'm dealing with fear, Lord, I'm putting it under the blood right now in the name of Jesus. I've come into the house of God to glorify you. I'm not coming up in here with rips and tears in my garment. I'm coming up in here to say, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that in me is. It's not about me, Lord. It's all about you. So I bind the strong man of my will. I bind the strong man of my fear. I bind the strong man of my own 
determinations. And I say, God, I want to enter into the door. That is the door of Jesus Christ. I want to enter into the gates, which are the gates of pearl. I want to enter into that place of your presence and your glory and your love. In the name of Jesus, forgive me, oh God, and cleanse my heart. Woo! Hallelujah! Now, if you feel like through repentance you have bound that strong man, the Bible said all you got to do is ask him to forgive you. He'll forgive you. You don't have to wrestle with it no more. You say, Lord, I believe that you've forgiven me. Now I'm going to leave it with you. I'm not going to fret and worry about it anymore. All those things you may be dealing with, come on, put them under the blood right now. And for the next few moments, I'm going to just bless the Lord on my soul. Come on, now we have gathered in God's house. And we have entered. Now I want you to glorify God with everything you've got. With a loud voice that is noised abroad. That they can hear on the internet. Make a joyful noise unto him, all you saints. Lift up your voice with the shout of triumph. He is a mighty good God. He is a glorious God. He is a wonderful Savior. I will bless the Lord at all times. I will bless your name at all times. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! I'm gonna worship you, Lord. I'm gonna glorify you. say when the saints go marching in and in the old days we used to have something that's called a victory march anybody remember the victory march days we just start walking all around here and we just praise God as we walk so I want all of you just to start moving this direction right here and just go all the way down around there this is not time to go home yet and just go all the way around them pews. Come all the way around the back. Come all the way around over there. Because we get ready. When we go into heaven, we can't go in there with a sad look on our face. We can't go in there with fear. We got to go rejoicing. Come on, we got to go marching. Hallelujah. That's it, that's it, that's it! Come on, those walls of Jericho! They 
got to come down. We got people marching around us.
territory. Well, I feel victory in the camp of Israel. Let's lift our hands. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your presence. Lord, I thank you for the joy and the opportunity to worship you. Oh, hallelujah. We give you glory and honor. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be in your house today. And Lord, we just ask as we're dismissed right now in the name of Jesus that you'd go with us. I pray you'd protect and keep all of us. I pray, God, that you would strengthen the body of Christ. Let our hearts and minds be stayed on you. And I pray, God, for victory in every home, in every family, in every house. I pray, God, that there be a declaration of praise on our lips. Every day and every moment, we live to worship you. Go with us now as we're dismissed. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen.